Welcome to episode seven of the Language of Myself podcast. Today I'll be talking about my finite mortality. So without further ado, let's begin. I've always had this desire to do it all without any effort and still be the best. When I grew up, I wanted to be the best at art, math, and reading. As I grew up, I wanted to be the best programmer, the most wise, and the best in the year level. However, I was never a smart person. I didn't have those inborn talents, nor the sky-high motivations that others do. Throughout school, I simply lived my life day by day, sort of just enjoying myself and having those fantasies. But as I grew older, there was less and less time to daydream, and my lack of any natural skills or motivations meant that I was never really good at anything. A week ago, I had this mini crisis. My sleep schedule was completely screwed up. I woke up at 11am and the extremely long sleep made me feel like utter shit. I wasn't really sure why this is the case. I mean, I slept for 10 hours or more. Shouldn't it be the opposite? Shouldn't I feel great? For the rest of the day, I didn't really feel like doing anything, like writing in my podcast script, my personal thoughts, nor my short story. In addition, I sent my friend the short story and asked for some honest feedback. Oh boy. He gave me his honest feedback, all right. The short story was only three pages at this point, but the side panel was just overrun with comments. After reading through all those comments, which were quite detailed and extremely valid, it dawned on me just how much effort I needed to put in to even become a decent non-fiction writer. I remember reading about how writing non-fiction was hard, but it wasn't impossible. At the end of the day, you would read up on the current research, summarize it, and then slowly write your conclusions. But fiction? Fiction is a whole new ballpark. Although you can research and read other articles, this doesn't directly finish your story. The act of creating something from nothing was extremely difficult for me. And I've never written non-fiction before. All throughout university, I've written essays or reports, but I didn't necessarily need to create anything, just summarizing other people's knowledge. So when I wrote my short story, there was this half-hazardous fusion of essay writing, a desire to create in-depth characters like Game of Thrones, manga references, and a blend of English and Asian writing techniques. Needless to say, this was not exactly a good mix and it needed some serious work before anything approximating decent writing could be created. Now, I'm not someone who likes to do things, just likes to do things decently. I like to master and perfect it. I'm somewhat of a semi-perfectionist. In fact, I even started to have fantasies of being successful, getting good money, or invited to talks like famous writers do today. But the path to that was just so goddamn far away, and writing is not exactly a get-rich-quick scheme. Only the smallest of small, small percentage of writers make it. One way or another, I was demotivated. Combine this with my guilt of not accomplishing my daily goal, a paragraph per day. Then, add to the f- in the fact that my script still wasn't complete for my podcast. What you have here is a guilt and self-loathing storm, where I just considered dropping writing altogether. Yet, there was this part of me that just didn't want to drop it, because it felt just because it was too hard. It felt a bit weak, like I was running away and offering excuses, which, to be fair, I was. Now those thoughts festered in my mind for a few days, 
where I knew I, I had to at least start redrafting my short story, except my mind just couldn't bear the thought of starting. It wasn't just words on a page. I saw weeks of effort to fix up my past, present, and future tense switching, which, you, if you pay attention, it probably has already happened. Constant reading of English techniques and endless drafts. At some point during this journey of guilt and self-loathing, I encountered Ruth Cheng's, Cheng's How to Make Hard Decisions TED Talk, where she mentioned how we cannot compare hard choices with the less than, equal to, or greater than factors. Instead, we need to introduce a new fourth variable to decide based on who we want to be in the future. The fact that my writing was so bad and required some serious work to improve made me realize my finite mortality, where I'm no longer a kid with near infinite time. I can't master reading, writing, podcasting, and computer science all at the same time. I had to pick and choose my battles, as I couldn't be a jack-of-all-trades, yet a master of none. My short story is three characters' journeys journeys to create board games, revealing and accepting their deep-seated issues in the process. As an avid board game player, I had this thought in the back of my mind to create a board game, but I've never really tried it. I also had a thought to create a book, but again, I've never started it. The short story was supposed to combine the best of both worlds, where I would not only create a fiction story, but also a playable board game. In hindsight, this was a tad bit foolish. After all, I just combined two completely different disciplines with absolutely no idea how to do any of them. When I tried using Ruth Chang's model for my own problem, it dawned on me that I didn't really want to become a writer in the future. So I started to question why I even started writing a short story or try to make a board game in the first place. Before creating a short story, I also tried my hand at creating video games. But this was immensely complicated, and I just gave it up. This trend of trying to create things, then stopping because it took too much work. All these dots added up in my mind, an epiphany, where I realized to create things, I try to create things to satisfy my desire for creativity and self-expression. Back then, in my mind, programming wasn't really an expression of creativity. After all, the computer dictates the code. So it wasn't really my creativity, I simply follow the computer's constraints. However, I thought about my own personal projects. Sure, they may be coded according to the computer, but are they not my thoughts, my random and wacky ideas? It was at this moment I realized that I forgot what programming is, the act of creating something from nothing, where your dreams and ideas can be created in front of you through lines of code. The issue with writing a short story was that I didn't have much time left. That short story took over my personal software project's time, and I often just skipped it entirely. But now I see those those software projects are my self-expression and creativity. Sure, it wasn't going to be creating awesome characters, nor making games where people can smile and enjoy their time together, but they are my ideas that I've thought of, and ones that I have the ability to bring to life. Another thing that Ruth Chen mentioned was that those hard moments should be be something we cherish. Because those hard moments are where we're able to discover who we want to be in the future. Then, instead of drifting or taking what seems easier, we can make choices from our own desires and and decisions. 
with choices and a reflection upon my own mortality. Time has become more important than ever, including what I do with it and who I spend it on. I feel like computer science is an extremely demanding field. Unlike other jobs, it's almost like learning a language, except this one rapidly evolves. So much time is spent working, but also learning and keeping up to date with the new trends and new skills required. With so many, so many new tools and systems means there's better ways of doing things, or the old systems have fallen out of favour. As such, so much of my time is already taken through my job, making the remaining time infinitely precious. I'm going to go on a tangent about COVID-19 for a second. With the coronavirus situation occurring, you hear so much propaganda and bullshit about how it's socially responsible to not socialise during the most socially active periods of your life. This is time that I will never get back. I'll never be 18 again. I'll never be 20 again, 25 or 30 again. I'll never be free from the social burdens or responsibilities. So if I lock myself up, abstain from meeting friends, from going out for dinner, from going out on an adventure together, what do I get out of it? A house I can never afford? Wages that haven't risen for decades? So the same old politics and corruption? In the first week of lockdown in Australia, when I saw those beachgoers ignore the laws, I felt they were terrible people and deserved punishment. But now? I'm jealous of the weaker moral boundaries, shackles that unfortunately bound me to this room. However, restrictions are starting to lift, and toilet paper is back on the shelves again, more or less signaling the end of panic and mass hysteria, at least in Australia. Anyway, I digress. But because of coronavirus, traditional the traditional inertia of work, like arriving in the office from 9 to 5, has effectively broken down. Before, I was hesitant to use these online apps to order my food, but now I've tried and realised just how convenient they are. It made me question what other things have I done simply due to inertia, like food shopping. The supermarket closest to me has, is Woolies, and they have an online ordering, ordering system. When I walked across the shelves, heading to the pasta salad section, ham, meats, chocolates, and frozens, I realised that I purchased the same items over and over. So then, what's the value for me to go to the store, walk the same path, when I could just order in line and get it delivered, saving time? If I'm going to do this online ordering thing, what other elements of coronavirus am I going to get? going to keep. Working from home has been an interesting thought. As a software developer, whether I'm at the office or at home, it doesn't really change my ability to get work done. Although there are side effects, like losing the absolute separation between work and leisure, especially since my bedroom is where I work. The lack of unity and cohesion with my co-workers is another loss. Quillet had an interesting article about the decline of megacities and a movement towards more spacey areas. With most programming work being in city centres, the cost of apartments is outrageous. Working from home will spare me such pains. Unless I wanted to lose a serious chunk of my savings to rent alone, it was better to commute an hour to work. I believe the tech lead talked about a study where worker satisfaction was correlated with being around 20 minutes from the workplace. Now, I live more than an hour away. Except, with remote work, I'm easily able to rent a, cheap, a house cheaply, somewhere with a decent backyard and ample space. A few weeks ago, my boss asked if we wanted to work from the office again, 
After all, it was not technically banned. For the time being, I said no. But do I want to work from in the office at all? Do I want to take a car to the train station, a train, then a bus to work every single day? Or do I want to stay home, saving one to two hours in transportation time every day, a train or bus breakdown, and get to work in my own private office? I read that Google already tried the working from home thing. The same story with other big companies, big tech companies, but then they axed it. A few reasons were the lack of unity, teamwork, cohesion, and sense of belonging. This is something I really feel now. Without seeing my coworkers face to face, talking, interacting, eating lunch together, we're all just solo units, contractors or freelancers. Originally, I wanted to work at a small company because there's less office politics or bureaucracy and general bullshit. Well, there's still bullshit, but there's less politics and bureaucracy. As I continue to work, one thing I liked was how we knew each other's names, hobbies, and general interests. It felt like a lot. It felt like we were a lot closer than we would be at large companies. But working remotely means that's all gone. So if I choose only to work remotely, is that something I'm comfortable losing? I haven't made up my mind yet, so a hybrid solution is probably best for now. Two to three days at the office, and the remaining at home. This way, I'm still able to see my coworkers face to face, still feel a general sense of unity, but also work from home, saving myself commute time. Of course, such a solution means I can't make crazy moves like living in the countryside. But hey, I get a majority of the positives, so they'll do for me. One another reflection upon my finite mortality is how I view friends and how much I want to spend time on people. Friendships is quite a strange thing. Hanging out with friends is an even stranger thing. To hang out with one friend group means to not hang out with another friend group—a zero-sum game. As such, I've been a lot more picky about who I spend time with and who I'd rather not. Some groups require a nice break between meeting again, time to recharge and build up your stories. Others can be more frequent, but there needs to be a core reason to meet up, like board games. The increase in importance of time also comes with the decision to cut people loose, others that I don't enjoy interacting with or feels spoil the mood. An acquaintance brought his girlfriend to a board game night. Nothing bad there, until we played a few board games together. It turns out some people are simply incapable of playing board games, or rather, they just cannot play games altogether. When playing Code Names, a two-on-two board game where it's a race between two teams to guess the Guess eight to nine words the fastest. She repeatedly helped the opposing team, despite saying that they're not on our team. This was an was an extremely frustrating move, especially since I'm somewhat competitive and I like to win. After that night, it was obvious I didn't want to play board games with someone who cannot play board games. So I, I abstained from inviting her again and tried not to show up when they're invited. This presents quite an interesting situation. Because if they keep going to board game nights, in which I won't go, eventually I'd become distant enough that I'm no longer a part of the group. At this point, there's two options: either just suck it up and accept she'll be there for some board game gatherings, thus making making playing board games not fun, or slowly drift apart from the other the others. With my increased value of time, and the fact that friendships are zero sum, 
is it worth it to spend a precious afternoon pretending to enjoy myself just not to drift apart? To feel utterly miserable as one person constantly ignores the game rules, assisting the other side? Or just being a person you can't cooperate with? No, it's not. Not to me. The most crushing part of understanding my finite time and mortality is that I cannot do it all, be it all. If I continue to be a software developer, I cannot be a full-time writer or game designer. If I continue to do this podcast or write down my thoughts, I won't be able to learn martial arts or, or the violin. Although I can definitely try a wide range of things, at the end of the day, there's only so much time I have to master my craft. At most, I can only do two or three things right now. That is software development career, personal software projects, personal thoughts, diary, and a podcast. Although, to be fair, writing my personal thoughts and a podcast is basically the same thing. Anything more would take too much time. If I break my time down, exercise in the morning, work, playing some Dota 2, watching some YouTube, anime, TV, or movies, eating dinner, writing, and reading, the real only cutback is two to three hours of leisure time each day. Without this leisure time, I feel I'd go mad. All I'd do is work, work, work. But for what? I don't have any higher order motivations nor goals. For me, this leisure time is extremely enjoyable and lets me rest my mind from work. Maybe the problem isn't that I don't have time. But I want to be too much and feel what I'm doing right now is inadequate. Only exercising every day? Only reading tech news, social news, and a wide variety of books every day? Only writing my inner thoughts for 30 minutes each day. Only writing a script for a podcast. Only trying to start with your own software project. It isn't good enough. It isn't enough. There was this awesome video called Bookstores. How to read more in the golden age of content by Max Joseph. Throughout the video, he explores how to read more since there's just so much stuff these days and the stresses of not being able to keep up with all the new content. This is definitely what I'm feeling these days. There's just so much information. It's easier to learn than ever, but that's exactly what I feel is crippling. The sheer number of options is utterly paralyzing. Then, combined with all the successful stories from people far younger than me, it just constantly makes me feel inadequate. One of the conclusions Max Joseph came to was, reading isn't about learning all the time, it's about having fun and a self-meditation process. Perhaps I should take note of that and relax. Have fun and reflect on my journey a bit more. With that concluding thought, it's best to end things here. Thanks for listening everyone. This is the Language of My Soul podcast. If you wish to reach me, contact me at thelanguageofmysoul at protonmail.com. See ya.